Necrons and Modern Gods. I'm John. And I'm Richard. Hi, Richard. How are you this week? I'm good, John. It's been a fun week. It has been. Both Richard and I went to a couple of comic book shows this past weekend. We'll tell you about that in a second. But today's main topic is war. What is it good for? Absolute (laughs) comics. We are going to talk about the much ignored and maligned and just misunderstood genre of war comics. What are the good ones to collect? What are some of our personal favorites? Why should you be digging more into this genre? Getting away from those superheroes for a minute, immersing yourself in the real heroes, right? I say that as a veteran. I'm a veteran, so I can say that, right? (laughs) We also have our regular features, our underrated books of the week. We also have the old fart rule today and starting things off richard it's the hot book of the week all you take it away hot book this week is all-star comics number 58 a restart of an old series what's important about this book it's the <laughs> there's first. two things that are important <laughs> it's first, giant reasons first appearance of power girl uh power girl has had a real i mean she's always been a popular character but there's been some amazing covers that have come out here recently that feature her and uh, it has really spawned interest in her as a character and her first appearance. Uh, a 9.2 sold this week for $400, which is, a, which, which is awesome, up from an average of 286. Wow. Uh, the 90-day average for a 9.8 is $2,300, $2,385 to be exact. And that's holding from a similar price from 2021, which is showing real strength in that title. It is. Uh, I, I, you mentioned the one reason. I said there were two reasons. First appearance of Power Girl, also the first appearance of the Super Squad, which was yes. a dumb thing they didn't stick with very long with the Golden Age Robin, Earth 2 Robin, I guess, uh, Power Girl and the Star Spangled Kid. Uh, so a 9 8 in this book is 2300 plus change, right? Mm hmm. Nine sixes can be had for $650. Yeah, there's a steep drop off on this book. And this book has, has been, I don't want to say tepid, but it's it's never been like an A-list book, even though it's the first appearance. And uh, I think that drop off is, is indicative of that. Why is this hot now? What do you think? What, the, just because of the recent low variants and James Gunn Superman movie speculation? What do you think? Uh, I think it may be a little bit of both. Uh, definitely, uh, we've seen two excellent, there's a Will Jack variant that just came out for Action Comics number 1053, and 1051 features a beautiful cover by Warren Liu. Um, also it's pretty features- low, by the way. Someone corrected us in the comments. Is it low? Okay. Yeah, it's- no, there you go. Extra letters I don't know what to do with. So, right. <laughs> Warren Liu. Absolutely gorgeous. He's the same gentleman who did the wonderful Wonder Woman from uh, Wonder Woman Black and Gold, number one, which I is one of my favorite books. And those books are limited to a thousand prints for the virgins, and they sold out immediately. I, I actually, the 1053 cover, which was uh, the Will Jack, just came out this past week. I was sitting there waiting at two o'clock in the afternoon when I went for sale. I got my CGC graded book. I went back to go get a raw and they were already sold out. So they wow. sold out with five seconds. They sold out of the, the Virgin book. So it's it's definitely a hot book. And I think, you know, the the interest in the character that has been drummed up by those those covers, um, because the 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 raw um, 
trade dress variant is going from about two hundred dollars on eBay right now. You know, just, just, uh, the... So back to All Star Fifty Eight. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have one? I do. I have an eight point five. I don't have it on the wall. No, no, not today. But yeah, an not eight. Today. I switch them around. But I do. Have... Are you happy with an eight point five? Did you buy uh, it as an eight point five? No, I bought it as an eight point five. It's yeah. it's a book that I wanted in my collection because it's you know I. I like Pargo as a character. I think, mm -hmm. I think the concept of her is interesting. She was an interesting character in the animated series as well, which I'm a big fan of. So an A5 is fine for me. It's, it's, it's never a book that I need a 9-8 in. Most books I don't necessarily need a 9-8 in. So the 8-5 is, uh, is a perfectly good book. Smart man. Uh, so today, you and I, today being Sunday, March 12th, when we were recording this, and it goes live, of course, uh, today, Monday. Hi, everybody from the future. Good to see you. <laughs> um, we both went to comic book shows on different parts of the country. And uh, you went to a show, was it actually in Cleveland, Ohio? It's in Westlake. It was uh, in Westlake, Ohio, a little bit, a little bit to the west of Cleveland. Yeah. It was a nice show. It's a show that's been going on uh, annually for, for a number of years, uh, put on by a gentleman named Mr. Harper. And it is a number of dealers um and it is a comic book focused show kind of like how california comic-con is only comics there's no fun codes or any of that stuff this was mainly comics there was a little bit of memorabilia but uh for the most part it was just straight up comic book dealers and they're dealers that are regular dealers in in this area so i i'm familiar with most of them and most of them recognize me and um it was a it was a decent show it was a decent crowd uh it was a lot of people there wasn't as nutso as I've seen in some of the uh, the post-pandemic uh, conventions I've gone to, but it was still a good crowd. But prices were a little steep. I, I you know, given the current climate, I think it was a little steep. Did you end up buying anything? I bought little little stuff. I didn't see anything there that um, I wanted for my mainline collection. Um, I bought stuff like Man Thing number one. Uh, I yeah. think this is one of those books that I will buy when I see. And this is a really, really, really good copy. And at the price I got it at, I was I was happy. Books like um, Wolverine here. That is, is an underrated classic Jim Lee cover. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I think there's there's a lot of uh, value in this book. And I will, you know, that's going to go into my sale copy, uh, my sale box. <laughs> this wonderful Superman. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's amazing. This is the, the first podcast listeners. Tell them what issue it is. Oh, okay. This is this is Superman issue number one forty seven. It's the first appearance of the Legion of Supervillains, which is basically grown up um, Legion of Superheroes. Uh, they're the uh, the bad evil version of that. And you got Superman on the example cover. of an homage cover too. It is. It is homage to the original cover where Superman, where Superboy was uh, on the cover. He was. He was rejected for Legion membership. But <laughs> you've got uh, Co Cosmic King and Lightning Lord and Saturn Queen as the villainous characters on this cover with Superman in some green kryptonite field. That's a nice 10 center. And this, this is crazy. This book was 10 cents. I'm sorry, 10 cent book. So it's a it's a really silver age. It's just 20, 35 bucks. Well, minus nice. I, I always negotiate ten percent off. So about, about what do you think? What do you think it's at? I'm looking at it. It's got some spine wear. So I'm I'm saying it's probably a five, maybe four or five. And it's Still. not a high grade book. 
He's got a little bit of a little bit of shadow here on. I can't see it there. A little bit of shadow here on this edge, as you can see. It's Sixty years old. Plus, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I and I'm I'm a huge Legion of Superheroes fan. So this is this is one of those offshoot books. One of uh, you know highly closely related books that you know for for thirty bucks I couldn't pass it up. Right. Book I always buy. Deadpool number one. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. circle chase, the book that was disavowed by Rob Liefeld. Yeah, it's like you know, t- it was ten bucks. I couldn't pass that up. And the same thing with this book. This is um, issue number one and number two of uh, Battle of the Planets. Another book I always pick up when I see. It's five bucks. Is that a Mike Turner cover? A number one? Kind of, uh, looks like, or is it? Is yeah, that- you're absolutely right, man. I, you are so good with your eyeballs. Definitely an Alex Ross cover on issue two on the back. I mean, yeah, there's no mistaking that. But yeah. yeah, that's definitely a Mike Turner cover on issue one there. Nice. Yeah, for five bucks for the two of them, it was a no-brainer. Uh, I just get these because you never know when something's going to pop. Right. Awesome. So uh, the takeaway was worth your time? Worth the always, it's always it's, it's always worth – to me, you establish a relationship with dealers it was funny. I'm looking at Legion books. I'm looking at Legion books. I go to one dealer and I'm, you know, forced, I mean, our mutual friend was there with me and we're going through and I say, yeah, I'm really looking for Legion books, um, you know, at adventure comics, that era of Legion. And I walked away and like, an, like an hour later, literally the guy comes walking over to me from his booth with a handful of, of adventure comics. Hey, you know, I found these, you may, you may be interested in it and you know, going through it's a dealer I've seen for at least the last four or five years. So he knows me and he kind of, kind of knows, you know, um, and I mentioned that I was interested in this book and to have a dealer actually pick you out of the crowd and walk over with to you with a handful of books, I think is a testament of building those kinds of relationships with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I took the time this morning to, uh, get out of bed an hour early, thanks Daylight Savings Time, to go to Near Mint Sundays, which is a show that happens quarterly in Orange County at a really uh, fun community center in the heart of Orange County by Anaheim. Um, It's mostly a collector show. They they advertise it as collectors only, and you you can sign up and get a table for, I don't know if it's free, it might be. Um, but there are some dealers there. I mean, obviously some dealers there. Um, good crowd, lots of positive energy, lots of people stopping me to say hi. So shout outs to everyone that stopped me. Um, I saw a few people we know, um, Diesel Dan, et cetera. Um, no dealers really looking to trade today. I did take some really good trade bait. Uh-huh. I took some Lamole variants and some Spider-Man high grade stuff, but Everybody wants that cash right now, man. Uh, they are like, oh, I'd love to do it, but I need the cash. One dealer had a Venus number one slab 5.0. It was nice. He had it for 3K and I had my trade bait. And if I had if I had gotten half of it in trade, I would have done it. I would have pulled the trigger for 1500 cash. Oh, that's funny. Um, there was a Venus number one on the wall at one of the dealers. And I'm like, and I asked him to show it to me. It's in a it's in a bag and board. So he reaches up, pulls it down. It's just the cover. It's just the cover. <laughs> it was still like three hundred dollars. That must be why you didn't text me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You are forgiven. <laughs> uh, one interesting thing. It's funny you say that because it wasn't slabbed. It was just a cover, like you're saying. I heard more than one person 
dealer and uh, collector going through the bins, just talking in general, saying they're not buying slabs anymore. Raws are where it's at. I don't know. I didn't really get into an investigative report about why they're thinking that, but uh, a lot of people's, a lot of people, more than three or four that I talked to, it was weird. Uh, all kind of said the same thing that they're really, they're not either able to sell slabs now. They're selling raws like a, there's no tomorrow, or they're not looking for slabs to buy. They are buying raws. So speaking that, of that, I hate to, to walk all over your your particular thing. Um, I was at one of my favorite dealers, uh, the Nerd Box, who is a dealer there, and uh, the great guys, great set of books. If you guys are, are looking for a, a comic book store, there's they have an actual physical location as well. But anyway, they um, guy walks up with a backpack and he pulls out of his backpack a Spider-Man number one Boom. and is going to sell it. Um, he, you know, and the guys there, it's raw. It's, it's just this raw. He also has a Hulk number one, uh, an Avenger number one, and then an another Avenger number one, like with no backing board. It's just, it's just in a bag with no backing board. And I'm giving you a side eye already. Go on. <laughs> oh my goodness. You would have thought he brought the, the, the Royal jewels because everybody, you know, he had, our friend Eric from Comics Argo comes over and he's inspecting it with the light. And, you know, they're looking for all the things that you look for in a raw book, especially one of those eras. You're looking for, for um, trimming around the edges. You're looking carefully for color touch because those books are notorious, especially that Hulk book uh, is notorious for those kinds of things. And they're counting pages and they're doing everything possible to validate because the guy wanted 10 grand for the Spider-Man. I didn't hear what he wanted for the Hulk. Um, he was countered with 6,500. He didn't want that, but they were trying to figure out some price. But, you know, before you drop those kind of numbers, you want to verify the book and how they I look. Mean, they looked okay. They looked about, you know, uh, our friend Eric gave it about two, 2.5 to three for the, oh, for the Hulk. I mean, they, were, they weren't mint books. This guy was not, he, from the looks of it, he wasn't a collector. He was, these are books that either he came across or he've had for years. He wanted to get rid of them. He didn't or really. Stole. Potentially. <laughs> I always look at the bright side of things. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was interesting to see these books in the raw because you rarely yeah. see a Hulk number one just flopping around there right, in, right. You know, in a bag and board. And he had those. And I don't know what else he had in that backpack. I was waiting for him to pull something else out, but now he had all the dealers clustered around and they're, you know, they're trying to authenticate this book because, you know, it, it was, it was a potential purchase there. And that's the one thing that graded books give you is at least some uh, validated eyes on the book. You know, I am now recently you, I can see your smirk on your face. In kind of theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least somebody's looked at it for color touch, for trim, for all those kinds of things. And you get that third party impartial um, review of the book. So if you're buying a Hulk 181, that's a 2.5 blue label, you are pretty much guaranteed that it's of that kind of quality at the minimum. And right. you don't have that when you get these books raw. And so it was just fun to watch dealers go through the process of inspecting the book. So what, what's the end here? Don't leave me hanging. Did anybody buy the books? What's going on? It had not been there. No deal had been made by the time I left. I was an hour later before I left and they were wow. still the, the guy from Nerdbox was gone and the guy with the comics were gone. Um, so I don't know. Some other negotiations were going on. I, the guy wasn't interested in trading. He wanted cash and um, 
you know, in their box may they may have gone over to the bank to get cash for all I know. Ask for an ID, ask for a bill of sale. I'm telling you, I'm I would be like, mm, something stinks. Uh, <laughs> well, to better news, I did get a few. I didn't buy a lot. Um, honestly, I I was I, to be honest, I kind of wasn't feeling it. I was there really to hang out, you know. But I got a few deals. Uh, I didn't. I'm missing this book. I had no idea I was missing this book, and I'm glad I looked in my Wacom app to see um, Captain America 275. You don't this, have that book. I, didn't, I don't have a copy of this. This is the first appearance of uh, first appearance of Helmet Zemo, mm -hmm. uh, the original Zemo's son as Zemo. He actually was in 168 as the Phoenix, uh, not that Phoenix. Um, and this is the first appearance of Baron Zemo number two. As big as a Captain America fan and a Thunderbolts fan that I am, you would think I would have multiples of this book. But yeah, I've got two one. copies of it. <laughs> no one asked you, Richard. This is my time to shine. Uh, <laughs> I did. Uh, do you have a 9.8? Because I'll take it. No, I don't, unfortunately. What else did you get? Um, so part of the infamy of being on this show is that people see me, dealers see me, and they go, I've got something for you, John. And nine times out of 10, they're right. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to hold up a copy of Lidsville number one. That is you all over. That was basically handed to me. Uh, I know you want to buy this, John. And I said, yes, yes, I do. So I now can check Lidsville number one, put it next to my Scooby-Doo number one and my Lancelot Link number one. For those who are on the podcast, Lidsville, Lidsville is a comic book about a TV show from the early 70s where it was hats. Walking <laughs> and, yeah, and hats. Uh, I call it acid for kids. Uh, <laughs> drop some and... that show with Crofted Super Show, yeah. Uh, uh, Lidsville is the kookookiest. Lidsville is the zazazaniest. Uh, another dealer saw me and said, I know you're, I, I watch your show. You're looking for two things. And I said, Yes, what are they? Venuses, which I don't have. Um, okay, good. Check. Good. And Looney Tunes. And I said, Yes, I am looking for Looney Tunes. He goes, Well, I don't have those either. <laughs> <laughs> but I have this. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, Cotter, number one, or as I call it, first appearance of John Travolta in comics. Yes, and, that's, that's very true. Uh, and this is, I mean, I'm going to send this, I'm going to take this with me to WonderCon to drop it off at the CGC booth. I think this is uh, at least 9.4 outside shot after a press and clean at 9.698. Nice. And, you know, I will walk around here bragging all day about my 9.8 uh welcome back cotter if that happens uh and i also have another book that i'm gonna save for my underrated book of the week later oh. that i got today so there you go it also has to do with our main topic today which is this means war our favorite war comics we're gonna talk about this underserved genre richard why do you think people aren't into war comics anymore they used to be very very popular it was one of the main genres war and western comics used to be very popular i think it's a different um people have been conditioned for comics to be about superheroes because of the, the pop you know popularity of marvel and, and superman and uh so when you say comic books that's what people think today 
back in the 50s when Roy Rogers was on TV and, you know, the Lone Ranger and um, it was a different world and people were thinking about um, Westerns and things like that. Also, the Second World War was, was a closer event. And I think people had um, a, a, a stronger tie to those events than they have now. And so you had uh, comics on, on the Second World War or the Korean War. Um, they were more visceral. And um, I think, again, people had a stronger connection to that era, either through their parents um, or grandparents. You beat me to it. I, I was going to say, I think a re one of the reasons is we haven't had a real good war in a long time. Uh, and by that, I mean, we don't have a common enemy. I mean, right. war II, Hitler, Mussolini, right. you know, uh, Korean War, communism, the Reds. Gulf War is split. We're, are we fighting for oil? Are we, you know, it wasn't as clean and cut and dried. So the, 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 fa the fantasy appeal of being a hero and, and putting on your uniform, it, it lost something in the Vietnam War, even especially. Right. right. Yeah. You had the, you know, whole black hat, white hat uh, yeah. concept where you were the white hat and then there was a clear and defined enemy that wore the black hat and you could hate and kill and all those things to that enemy um, and, you know, wake up next morning and have breakfast, you know, in, right. in, in, you know, reading it in a comic book. Um, and, the wars recently have been less clear cut as to us as the good guys. And then there is that, uh, that's definitive bad guy. Well, that's so, a shades of gray and yeah, yeah. And the market's just not going to support it. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but there are some weirdos out there like you and I that collect war comics and you, what's your first one? You, we've, we've picked a few. Yeah, we picked a few and uh, you know, my, when, when we, when you had this assignment, earlier this week talking about war books and I had to think about it uh, to me, war books um, mean a lot of different things. And I think my books are a little bit more around, you know, scattered than your particular picks. But my first book is, I think uh, is a staple, which is GI combat number 87 from 1961. Mm -hmm. It's the first appearance on the haunted tank. Um, now this is a haircut book for me. Um, when I was young, my father would take me to go get my hair cut. There'd be a stack of comic books sitting next to the, to the, you know, in the waiting area. And you'd sit there and read comics. I was reading Commandy, uh, but there's a stack of war books. And this is one of the war books, um, you know, not this one particularly, but, but books about the haunted tank uh, were, were pretty prevalent. So this is the first appearance and it's also a gorgeous cover. You've got all these dive bombers streaking down classic gray tone cover beautiful 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 cover i love it for that as well but uh the haunted tank is a, a tank haunted by the spirits of the confederate general jeb stewart um it's a straight story how it came about alexander the great assigned jeb stewart to look over his uh his ancestor also named jeb stewart um or his his um, um relative also named jeb stewart and, you know, so the tank is haunted by the spirit and they go through a variety of adventures. It's, 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 it smells like Robert Kaniger to me. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those books that's a, it's a part of a particular era. You know, uh, all, in, all these early war books are nothing like making a Confederate uh, general the hero of the book. But right. Exactly. That's my point. Uh, but he's also driving a tank named the Stuart. Uh, sure, which is sure. also named after the, the Confederate general, which is problematic about that. Yeah, there's some problem. 
when you read these older books, especially war books, because war books have when they have an and an, a villain, they are stereotypical in a lot of cases. Oh, we'll get to that in my atlas. <laughs> and that's and that's part of that. It's it's part of the the environment. You can't take the book out of the environment it was created in. Um, and so you would think I would have problems with with um, with a Confederate general as the you know one of the the main characters in the story, but I don't. This is a this is a an interesting book. It's a part of the history of of comics. Later on in, in two thousand eight, they had a later version where Jeb Stewart is in, in is haunting a Abrams tank, and he's protecting his um, descendant now an African American. Ah, um, there's your revenge, haha. <laughs> which I can pretty much picture. Uh, it, it's interesting. I've I've read that series. I read at least a few books of the series. Um, there is a there is friction at the beginning of of the relationship, but both parties uh, seem to accept it and move forward. And it's an interesting story. So yeah, GI Comic eighty seven. The first appearance of the Honda Tank is my first pick. Yeah, uh, uh, Jamal Stewart. It's like uh, your great great granddaughter didn't have any problem with it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be there for that conversation. Uh, my first pick, no surprise to anyone that is uh, a longtime listener of this podcast or a longtime viewer on YouTube, are Fighting Forces issues 151 to 162. Why? Under this unassuming Joe Kubert cover for issue 151 lies the first issue that is written, penciled, and edited, edited by Jack King Kirby. Now, how did Jack Kirby end up on our fighting forces drawing and writing the losers? Well, after the cancellation of the new gods and the demon, Kirby had a contract with Carmine Infantino in DC Comics. He had to do X number of pages per month and he needed, needed an assignment. Uh, he didn't want to take work away from anyone else. So when our fighting forces lost a creative team, it went over to Jack. Um, not the most Jack Kirby of books you would think until you look at Jack's history, which we'll touch on a little bit later when we talk about the fifties, but these are very personal stories from Jack Kirby's own war experiences. He was in world war two. He almost lost toes to frostbite, uh, from, from trench foot. Um, you have personal war experiences, very, very good, uh, small stakes stories, Next to crazy stuff, like a story about the Devastator, this giant fake war machine that was uh, manufactured to trick the Nazis, inspired by a comic book. And you're like, okay, Jack, settle down. <laughs> now, Kirby on this book actually jump-started sales. It was a bi-monthly when Kirby took over. The book did go monthly while he was editing it, so sales were there. But longtime fans of the losers that were around before Jack were absolutely confused you read the letters page and it's people complaining i like jack but what happened to this subplot dealing with captain storm's girlfriend what happened to this subplot you know jack when he took over a book it was like like when he took over black panther it was like all that stuff that happened before i don't care here's my version of this so these never got addressed during jack's run when jack left the book of 162 the old writer robert kaniger our friend robert comes on at 163 and immediately starts the subplots up again where they were left <laughs> off. It's pretty funny. But yeah, our fighting forces, tough books in grade. Um, if you ever see them in high grade, grab them because they are 
very, very scarce. Uh, these books were read, abused, thrown around in quarter boxes, like we say. So uh, if you are a Jack fan and a war fan, these are must-haves. Excellent, excellent pick. You've got another one here that I think you've talked about before on the show. I, I have. I've talked about a specific issue of this book. This is Luftwaffe 1946 uh, from uh, Families of Altered Wars. This is an Arctic Press book. It's tough to get information about this book. I was doing my research on it for this. It's hard to track down. Um, this book is... Um, there's a problematic co a cover, by the way. It's got a nice Nazi eagle with a swastika on the cover prominently. Yeah, that's pretty much all the cover is. Uh, but the first issues were first from 1996. Um, there was a four-issue limited series. And then that was popular enough that they did an 18-issue uh, full series. And then they did other... They, that I well, The book that I featured in my uh, underrated book was a technical, the technical oh, man. Right, yeah. Which details, you know, the premises, the Second World War uh, continued after 1945 because of um, Nazi superweapons, basically. Um, various aircraft and tanks and things that caused them to extend the war. And the story is about those kinds of pieces of technology and what happens after, after 1945. I am a big fan of, um, of history, especially... Um, military aviation and you get to see all kinds of planes that uh, were just in blueprint stage or even just design stage actually flown you know in the book they're flown by pilots and they you know they are part of um the army of, of uh, the third reich and it's it's interesting to see these these jets and and other things fly but it's also this is an anime book this is not you know this isn't you know you don't have gritty realism for this this is anime for the most part it's antarctic press though right i mean it's the same company that did ninja right. high school or and and not ninja high school for people that <laughs> yeah um yeah so it's 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 um the focus of the book at least in the art style is just like another pick that i'm going to have here soon is they very lovingly detailed the planes that mm -hmm. they're a part of this and the, the the war machinery is lovingly drawn to high detail um, the characters, not so much. Uh, I think they really, it shows the focus of the story. Uh, it's an interesting story. It's not very, it's not a, a memorable story at what, what, what really comes apart, uh, comes across for this is those vehicles. And I, I love the series for that. Um, they did that regular series run for 18 issues, but it's from 1997 to 2000. So it wasn't like a regular thing. I think it may have been more of a quarterly thing. Um, it is hard to find this book. There are no books on GPA. Uh, well, there's one sale for GPA for $49 for, for number one. That's it. I mean, there are no other sales for this book. So I've come across these books in dollar bins before, at least some of the later ones. I've never come across the number one. And I don't know if it's the size of the print run or what, but if you see these, pick them up. I think, I think you'd enjoy them. Yeah, interesting cross of manga and war. Yes, yes, yeah. and it, but you know what? It, it, it's if any group of people can talk about war on 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 a horror level, you know, it's the Japanese, yeah. and um, I, I think some of they drew on some of that kind of internal knowledge and and were able to produce books like this. Uh, maybe an awkwardish segue into my next pick, which is the 
uh, various titles that Atlas Comics published in the 50s. You had several different types of war comics from Atlas. Stan Lee and company were churning them out. You had things like Battle, Battlefront, Battlefield, War. Um, war Battle. War Battle, More Battle War. Um, the thing about these, fantastic art inside by people like John Severin, Dave Berg, Robert Q. Sale, uh, Russ Heath, just really brutal covers too. Um, they were not too, uh, I'm, I'm going to probably regret saying this because people in the comments are going to give me like 9,000 examples that prove me wrong. I th honestly don't think they were too brutal with the racial uh, stereotypes and depictions. The, you know, the Koreans, it was the height of the Korean War. They look, they look human. They don't look inhuman uh, or cartoony. However, the dialogue and the situations are absolutely racist. <laughs> there's no, there's no denying that. But you had uh, the, the GIs were always kind of like you know, on the covers, like, ha ha, Koreans are stupid. Look at us. We're you know, this covered a battlefront where they're shooting over their heads. And then this great combat Kelly cover that I'm showing you, not only because it's funny, but because it's in beautiful condition. Um, you know, the, the Korean soldiers like, chow, come and get it. They kill the Koreans and say, ha ha, we ate 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Morons. <laughs> but this is a beautiful, look at that. It is a beautiful cover. You see if I can show you for a black cover, it's gorgeous. Uh, but the Atlas comics, the Atlas war comics are really uh, just a, a snapshot of our country in the 50s. It's, you know, rah, rah, down with the Reds, uh, which kind of continued all the way into the Marvel age with the early uh, Marvel superheroes. You know, how many times did Iron Man fight the Reds or the Hulk is up against Mongol, the Red? Yeah, again, it's the, you know, black hat, white hat. Um, we as Americans have taken even the first world war the hun uh you know they, they, they're stereotypical and and you, you try to de dehumanize the opponent propaganda so, yeah yeah and that's 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 part of the war footing you know um and that that ends up being a part of comics so again like you say it's it's uh it's a period thing and you can't separate it and judge it by anything other than uh putting it in that period Luckily, we in America are so evolved today that we don't use propaganda to uh, diminish anyone else's rights within this nation. Moving along, <laughs> my next pick is another anime comic. Uh, There's another one of my favorite of mine. I've talked about this before. It's Area 88, number one from 1987. Um, this is a real cool book. It's an, again, it's an anime book. It's it's actually a serialized. It's a comic of a serialized story toward, told in 1979 about a uh, Japanese pilot who's tricked into a three-year contract with this mercenary air force. Uh, he tries to buy his. He has he has to raise uh, one and a half million dollars to buy himself out of the contract, and he flies a variety of planes against a variety of planes in this war um with uh this other nation he gets paid by the kill so every time he shoots a plane down he makes money and the story's about him and his fiance and um him trying to get back to her get back to his life and him accepting the brutal reality that he has found himself in in place it's another book that has more story than Luftwaffe had um it went on for a number of issues i have a full run i did not write down what the last issue number was but it's a large uh 
large large run. Um, it focuses on the planes. He flies a variety of jets from uh, American jets, uh, European jets, um, Russian jets. Then all these planes are very lovingly drawn in this book. It's all black and white, but uh, it's it's a great. It's more, like I said, it's more interesting of a story than Luftwaffe was. And I, you can find these all the time in dollar bins. You'll find them all over the place. And I think it's a great read. It's a serialized story. So you can start number one and work your way through. And I think that's the, your best serve doing that. If you come across a run, I think I bought my run for less than $50. Mm-hmm. Do it because it's a great story. If you like anime, uh, you can buy it uh, by this run at a reasonable price. That was part of uh, Eclipse's first foray into reprinting manga. They did this. They did My the Psychic Girl. I think they all ran for like 36 issues, three years. My uh, is another great series if you haven't read it. great. Oh, man. Do you know there was going to be a My the Psychic Girl musical movie? And oh, God, know, no. I didn't you know, know that. You know who spent years working on the soundtrack and didn't get anything out of it was Sparks. Really? That's why between uh, interior design, the Sparks album from 1992-ish, mm-hmm. all the way to um, the album with um, Gratuitous Sex, 1995, that's why there was no Sparks material released. They were working on My The Psychic Girl, and it never that happened. been so awesome. Tim Burton was going to direct it. It was a whole thing. That is terrible. You shouldn't have told me. Now I'm... I'm, I'm so... The Great <laughs> Lost My great. The Psychic musical i know um my next uh series that i love is called foxhole this was a series that was started by joe simon and jack kirby they tried to start their own comic book company called mainline mm-hmm. and this was one of the premier titles look at that cover to That's foxhole cool. number one i mean it's a day at the beach mom yeah it's a it's a for those in the podcast it's a soldier on the beach with wrecked vehicles and bodies and he's his face is all bandaged up um so yeah and he's writing a letter to his mom that says dear mom this war is like a picnic today we spend a day at the beach and there's just surrounded by carnage on the beach just great cover um all this had a six issue run the first four issues were mainline and then mainline went under and charlton picked up the remaining inventory and published it as issues five through seven the, another classic cover on issue three, or is this, no, sorry, this is issue four, uh, just a close-up of a soldier, the, the thousand-yard stare mm-hmm. uh, in his eyes, and just beautiful stuff. I'm very lucky to have a complete run of Foxhole. Um, I got in early. I bought them years ago and just never, through every purge, I kept them. So now they go for thousands of dollars. I'm so glad I I never let those go i just couldn't do it that was kirby it was war classic covers these aren't leaving so uh yeah if you want to go get foxhole uh get a credit card (laughs) that's loaded what's your next one my next one isn't is a modern book well yeah it's a modern book it's called sarah um from tko studios it's from 2018 uh, my show notes are wrong. Uh, you you can buy it on TK, TKOPresents.com, uh, where I got my copy. Uh, it's a graphic novel by Garth Ennis. It is a story of a band of female Soviet snipers. You know, the um, during the Second World War, the Soviets used 
um, women in combat roles, unlike unlike the West. And one of the roles that that they excelled at was being snipers because you could be solo um, and you could affect a large area by, you know, you know, suppressing the enemy troops as it, it didn't matter whether you're male or female, uh, the Soviets used you. And so this is a story about a band of female snipers. And it's a very gritty book. And I, I feel the side of the Soviet unions in mean, the Soviet Union st uh, story of the Second World War is is marginalized in the West because we don't have personal experience with it for the most part. But this book kind of shows you um, some of the um, some of the ways that the war is fought differently by the Soviets. Human life was less important. Individual life was less important to the Soviets than it was to the West. And um, you kind of get a feel for that in the story. And you know, love of the father or the motherland uh, was also important. It's a great book. It's not a happy book, um, but it tells a great story. And you again, you get that kind of insight and you of to the characters. Um, you can buy this on eBay, ten bucks, fifteen bucks. It's 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 well worth it in my opinion. They have a hardcover version of it as well if you want for fifty. But uh, no, it's a great story. If you're looking for good story, good art, it's a great book to pick up. Very uh, in line with my next pick, which is also a female-led war title, which was very much a rarity when this happened in the, was it late 50s? Let me see here, 1959, is that a nine? Yes, I'm old. Um, Star Spangled War Stories, number 84 through 89. This is the uh, story of Mademoiselle Molly, the French <laughs> resistance fighter, also known as the Battle Doll. Nothing sexist about that. Uh, Mademoiselle Marie, uh, someone was, uh, let me see, was it? Yep, Robert Kaniger, there he strikes again. Uh, they thought, hey, let's uh, have a female-led war comic. Uh, so Mademoiselle Marie was the cover feature for these six issues. And apparently it did not do well because then she was bumped aside for a new feature called the war that time forgot where it was soldiers versus dinosaurs what kid's gonna pass that up wow damn <laughs> uh, great covers she's always helping out a soldier you know trying to get him across the enemy lines awesome mort drucker art you may remember mort drucker from mad magazine mm -hmm. he uh is actually drew these i love this is probably my favorite cover of the run uh this is issue 86 where Not she, much of a, she didn't change her outfit very often. Did she, I mean, she, you know, you gotta have a look. She had a look <laughs> white blouse, tan skirt heels in wartime. Yeah. And of course, because she was French, she had to wear a raspberry beret, the kind you get at a secondhand store, Richard. Yeah. I heard that. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't list uh, a list about war goal go by without having an honorable mention um that's mouse number one number and number two it's a graphic novel about the uh, uh, a survivor of the holocaust as he dictates it to his son um it's they they alter it in a very creative way where uh the the jews in the story are all mice the um Germans are cats, Americans are dogs, Poles are pigs. Uh, and, and so everyone, 
there there aren't humans to um to focus on in this story so it, it makes it more palatable i guess to see piles of bodies um when they're piles of mice right uh, and i i think they they make a, a horrific story like this easier to um to absorb you know to, to absorb some of the some of the things that happened in in those camps is just it's inhuman and it's hard to to wrap your mind around it and i think by having that level of abstraction they help you do that really 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 well written book it's a very personal book by this was written by uh art the man who, uh, art spiegelman right he it was his father who was telling him this story and he had to think of a way to be able to it was such an important story to tell he wrote and drew this book um using using animals to portray the characters and it is a powerful book it's one of those books that uh i remember seeing the book the first book in the bookstore and i read the book in the bookstore i could not i could, didn't even buy the book i sat there the only other book i've ever done that with was um uh gosh i can't remember another graphic novel um anyway it's it's really really um important book i think people people should read if you want to see a that side that's the that story told from someone who was there i i agree i think anyone who loves comics as literature uh and an art form really you deserve it to you to to yourself to read mouse because not only is it a story about the holocaust and its effect on a family uh throughout generations it's a story about a father and a son trying to yeah. connect in some way and this is the son's way of trying to reach out to a really distant dad that doesn't you know he feels he doesn't appreciate him or his art and the son actually comes around and says wait a second dad's been through a lot maybe i should cut him some slack here uh no spoilers but it's just really uh, many different levels to this book there's a reason why it's on every best list ever for graphic novels um, and it's sad that this book is one of the first ones to always get censored and pulled from libraries and high schools and things like that when, you know, this is what people should be reading because it's history. You know, it's a fictionalized history, granted. But uh, Mouse, absolutely. Uh, not traditionally known as a war book, but I think in this case, absolutely it is. It, it, it's the war uh, affecting a family and for generations. Yeah, heck yeah, it's a war book. Good good mention there richard um on that uh, note serious note i have no real clever way to say it's time for the old fart rule <laughs> uh, anyway uh the old fart rule for new people around uh is when we go back 40 years because we're old farts to 1983 and talk about the books that shaped Richard and myself and Richard, I'll let you start this one, but I got plenty to say. Go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we, we do show notes before the show, and I, I, I if I get there before John, I pick the book. Um, <laughs> this week I picked X Men number 171, 1983. This is the X Men where Rogue joins the X Men. Now, you got to remember, before the X-Men, Rogue was a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. She was a villain. She was a very dangerous villain. She got in a scuffle with Captain Marvel. 
of the female Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. Rogue's powers are if she touches you, she absorbs your power. If she touches you for a extended period of time, be found out, she also absorbs your personality. So she absorbed Carol Danvers, her powers and her abilities and her personality. And she was having a hard time dealing with this, um, you know, this split personality. Mystique, her adopted mother, didn't give, didn't care uh, or was unable to provide the support she needed. So she went to the only people who are out there helping mutants, which were the X-Men, who they had fought. All the X-Men didn't want her on the team. Xavier said it was important that she was on the team and he was willing to help her. Took some convincing, but eventually she became a really important member of the X-Men. I mean, one of the key members of the X-Men and her love affair with, with uh, Gambit is a major storyline throughout the X-Men. Really, really important character. So this is where she joins the team. Keys are, you know, this is... Uh, 9.8s are pretty inexpensive. $175 for a 9.8, I think that's a great price. At that price, I'd buy a 9.8 over buying Raws. You can buy Raws around 20 bucks, but yeah, I'd, I'd stick to the 9.8s. Uh, several things about this book. Okay, number one, people forget this was a fill-in by Walt Simonson. Uh, Walt Simonson drew the cover, drew the inside, is taking, a, taking the uh, month off for Paul Smith, who was the regular artist. When Rogue was a recurring villain in Dazzler of all titles, she looked like she was 46 um, and she had a short haircut and she looked like an old lady and she terrorized poor Allison Blair, just terrorized her over multiple issues of very vicious beating. Uh, she was not a hero at all. Somewhere, someone, I don't know if it was Chris Claremont or somebody else had the idea to bring her to the X-Men. She appears on the mansion steps looking like she's 17, which she's supposed to be all of a sudden. I don't know who her surgeon was, but good job. Maybe Dr. Simonson performed some uh, really good plastic surgery, some fillers. And I don't know, Rogue, people love her. Um, she's not as quite of a, a, an accent, a Southern accent masquerading as a character as Gambit is. Yeah, yeah. But when they get the two of them together and it's, Southern accent versus Louisiana Southern accent. Dear Lord, Chris, I just want to read the dialogue. Please yeah. let me read it without the all the sugars and affectations and mon chéris and whatever else you're going to throw in there. It does Whoa. get thick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, great pick, X-Men 171. Uh, again, a, a cover that has been homaged over and over again. Um, you know, welcome to this group. Character name, hope you survive the experience. How many times has that been used on other covers? So right. uh, kind of a kind of a milestone book. All right, moving on to our underrated books of the week. Richard, what do you have here? You know, going with the, the war theme, my pick is Judge Dredd, number 18, 19, and 20. Anybody who, who was a fan of, the, of Judge Dredd back in the 80s knows the Apocalypse War Saga. This is great. Um, this is this is a in Soviet invasion of Mega City One, uh, told only as the writers and artists of of Judge Dredd could do. It is such a a period piece of this art style and genre. Uh, it's my go-to Judge Dredd storyline. Whenever I want feel like rereading Judge Dredd, I pull out the Apocalypse War because it's a nice clear cut. These issues, you know what's going to happen. It's a, it's a cool story. It has humor in it. 
which is un unusual for Judge Dredd. Um, They've always had a wink and a nod at Judge Dredd. There's been yeah. Well, you know, Walter, his robot, he has a he has a robot and he has a landlord as well. And they <laughs> they play a role in this. Um, and it's that's that's hilarious as 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 his robot tries to save his landlord. Um, it, it's 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 a great book. It's it's it features different battles in the war uh, where the Soviet bloc is trying to to take over Mega City, how Mega City repulses their attack and then. Um, the the ultimate climax uh obviously mega city survives uh it's it's a great great series of books it's um not expensive you can get these books at about 20 bucks a piece it's been it's been packaged in uh graphic novel form as well if you want to buy that but frankly at 20 bucks buy the, buy the original books then you can read it in the format on the crappy newsprint that these things were printed on uh and enjoy it as it was originally intended take it close and smell no. hey the smell of comics is is a thing to be to be reckoned with the full sensory experience i agree uh wrapping up our war episode is my underrated book of the week and that is drumroll our fighting forces number 123 which is the first issue of this title to feature the losers the Losers, comprised of characters Captain Storm, Johnny Cloud, Gunner, and Sarge, they all were in separate books. Captain Storm had his own book, and the others were featured in uh, other war titles. They first appeared as a group is known as the Born Losers in the month before this in GI Combat number 138. So this is not the first appearance of the Losers. This is the first issue of the Losers series in our fighting forces. And uh, I, I imagine they dropped the Born from the Born Losers because of the comic strip with the same name, the Born Loser. They didn't want to have any legal trouble. That's just speculation on my part. But they ran in our fighting forces from issue 123 all the way to the bitter end, issue 181, when the book was a victim of the DC implosion. So very much a key book affordable as heck i bought this very copy today for 20 bucks with a press and a clean i'm looking at a 9.4 maybe it looks wow. really good so for a first issue uh which this basically is that is a steal the more recent higher grade slab sale was for a 9.0 in may of 2020 for 200 bucks so next on my list is to get a GI Combat 138. So I have the true first appearance. Uh, in all honesty, I grabbed this today thinking this was the first appearance of the losers. And then when I started doing the show notes, I saw story continued from GI Combat <laughs> 138. So womp womp. But that's our war episode. What is it good for? Absolutely fun. I do want to thank all of those who are service members. Thank you for your service. Uh, comic books have a way of telling your story. So, uh, you know, we, we immortalize the stories through comics. So on behalf of my fellow veterans, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bronze and modern gods, hit the website. It'll be updated someday. I swear to God. Uh, if you don't like this video, please don't hit thumbs down. Just leave. If you like it, hit thumbs up, hit subscribe, and we will catch you next time. Everybody, stay safe.